Hey, it's Clay. Welcome back to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, this is all very new. This is all very, you know, let's just see what happens. But I got to kind of thinking and, you know, while I'm scanning headlines and just going about the daily life, you know, I don't want this thing to turn too negative. I don't want it to always be, you know, be known as a person that's always complaining about stuff. And hopefully that's not the way it's come across. But I do want to shed some light on some things that I've seen that have encouraged me, that have kind of shown that things are bad out there. Don't get me wrong when it comes to personal finance, uh, you know, wealth building, all of that. However, there are some dynamics that uh, are occurring that you can maybe argue is kind of being shed in a negative light, maybe a little bit. But at, at the core, it's actually very positive to see. And it's, well, it's the way things should be. It's the way that Sure, there's a little bit of maybe pain in the short term, but grand scheme of things viewpoint, it's actually kind of encouraging. So let's kind of hop into a few of these different articles and headlines and just kind of talk about them, break them down. This first bit comes from the world of real estate. And if you're unfamiliar, very quickly, I do invest in real estate. That is one of the income streams that I have for myself. So I'd like to think that I'm relatively qualified to talk about real estate, real estate investing, and, and all that good stuff. And I came across a headline uh, from CNBC that says homeowners are sitting on a record amount of cash and not tapping it. So what does that mean? Well, a quick little lesson here in kind of real estate and you know what this headline and article is talking about. But let's just say you own a house for, you know, and it's worth $100,000. Let's say you owe $50,000 on it. So you take what it's worth, $100,000, and you subtract out what you owe on it, $50,000. Not to insult your intelligence, but 100,000 minus 50,000 equals 50,000. That 50,000 number is what is called equity. It is called, if you've ever heard of anything, well, do you have any equity into it? That is where that calculation is coming from. Again, what something is worth minus what something is owed, that equals equity. So what this article is getting at is that there's a lot of homeowners out there that have equity in their houses. However, they're not tapping, they're not using that equity. And well, how do you use equity? Well, there's many different ways you can do it. Just a very simple one would be a home equity line of credit, hence home equity, meaning that you can pretty much turn that equity into a credit card in a sense, where you can pull out that money, put it on the quote unquote credit card, and then all of a sudden you've given yourself a loan and the backing on that loan is your, your the home itself. And that's all fine and dandy. Uh, to an extent, assuming you have a, a really good plan with it. But back, uh, you know, before the big real estate bubble pop in 2007, 2008, 2009, uh, you know, the financial market meltdown, one of the causes of that was because home prices were going up so much. So for example, let's go with the numbers. You bought a house for 100,000 and because home prices were just exploding, now all of a sudden it's worth 200,000. But because you only bought it for 100,000, now all of a sudden you have what? Let, let's let's do the equity calculation. What it's worth, 200,000 minus what you owe on it, and we'll just say 100,000. Well, there you go. Now you have $100,000 in equity, meaning you could get a home equity line of credit, a credit card that is based on you know your own uh, equity in the, in the property that you have. So what a lot of people start to do is, wow, I have this, I have $100,000 in equity, wow. That, art, that SUV looks really nice. Wow, wouldn't it be nice to build a whole new addition? Wow, look at that fancy, you know, fill in the blank. Material items that don't really give you any sort of 
you know, value, or in other words, depreciating assets, meaning that they're gonna go down over time. I mean, yeah, I don't care how great a camper is, I don't care how awesome uh, SUV is, those are all depreciating assets. Oh wow, look at that boat. Yeah, boating in the summer would be fun. Let me take that $100,000 of equity, put it on the credit card, and we're gonna go buy that boat. That's gonna depreciate in, in value. And as long as the markets go up and up and up, well, that means that you're getting more and more equity. So things are, things are covered. It's not at the end of the world. However, when everybody starts doing that, everybody starts doing that, there is literally money flying all over the place. And you know that's one little area, one little reason why those bubbles are formed. And that is how, you know, the one way, the big financial bubble, the big real estate bubble was formed, you know, back, I guess, wow, time flies, about 10 years ago, is you had people that had equity and then they just started grabbing it. They started using it, they started literally using it as a credit card, and then all of a sudden when values dropped, what happens? Well, let's go back to that calculation. Remember, the house was worth $200,000. Now all of a sudden, prices start to go down. Prices start to go down, and now your home, home is only worth 150,000. Oh, whoops. Well, I just I just paid, you know, 75,000 for that, we'll say a boat, for example. So now you owe the $100,000 that you bought your house for plus the 75,000 that you bought the boat for, total of what? Well, $175,000. What did I just say the house was worth? 150. In that case, you literally have negative equity, meaning you take what something is worth, 100 $50,000, right? Because the home prices dropped down to 150. You subtract out what is owed, which is the 100,000 house plus that 75,000 boat. Well, that's 175, and now you're sitting at negative $25,000. Or maybe you've heard the lingo, you know, oh, somebody's underwater on something. That is what underwater is. It is negative equity where you owe more than what something is worth. And when that happens enough, people can't make their payments. And because you know they can't make their payments, all this was attached to what? What's the first letter in the, the home equity line of credit? The home, meaning the bank says, hey, you're not making your payments anymore. Okay, I'm gonna grab your home. And there's where the foreclosures come from. So kind of the long, or the little background about why, this is pretty encouraging because maybe, and I realize if you understood that, you, you got it right from the title, but like I said, homeowners are sitting on a record amount of cash and not tapping it. Now, I really, don't like that headline. And uh, Diana, I, I, that, that's deceiving. Because it's not cash, it's equity. And equity, that can change, as hopefully I, I did a good enough job explaining in that example. So sure, if you have equity, you can use that as cash, but it's not like it's cash, that is for sure. So that headline in and of itself is quite deceiving. But even with that, I'm, I'm glad that people are not tapping into it. So first paragraph from the article, US homeowners today are getting richer by the minute. Real quick, yes, they're getting richer from an equity perspective, but equity is not the same as cash, like in your checking account where it's not like these people's checking accounts are growing, are growing, are growing. No, equity, their overall net value, net worth is rising, but net worth can fluctuate all the time. Whereas if you have $100 in your checking account, assuming there's no fees or anything like that, then your $100 is gonna stay there. It's gonna stay there, it's gonna stay there. But when it comes to equity, which is part of net wealth, that's always gonna fluctuate. So again, I, I really, Diana, you're being a little disingenuous here when you say that today they are getting richer. Yeah, they're, they're getting richer in 
net worth. They're getting richer in equity. They're not getting richer in cash, which is what your headline implies, because cash and equity are two very, very different things. But any, now I promised myself I wasn't gonna be too negative, so let's try to stay positive, okay? So US homeowners today are getting richer by the minute, but, oh, I love this but, they are less likely to cash in on their newfound wealth than during previous housing booms. As home values rise, home equity lines of credit often used to tap home equity are flatlining and the overall amount of people or and the overall amount of money people are taking out of their homes is shrinking. And well dare I say that maybe people learned a lesson from past history? Dare I say that people are maybe looking back into what's happened in the past and saying, you know, that whole a lot of people got in trouble by tapping their cash by tapping their wealth. I, I I'm very encouraged by this. I was quite frankly I was shocked because maybe you've heard the the saying you know history tends to repeat itself, and uh, you know who knows maybe it will ultimately repeat itself. But uh, according to this, um, you know people are are seemingly have have taken note of what happened and are, have learned from it. And there's a subtitle uh, here that you know memories of the housing crash. So under that headline. It starts off with they also have long memories. They being the people that are not tapping into this, uh, you know, this cash. They also have long memories. The housing crash was 10 years ago, but the pain in the housing market is still being felt. Millions of borrowers lost their homes to foreclosure because they use them like ATMs, like credit cards. Some are just now able to qualify for a mortgage again. Yeah, I mean, when you have a foreclosure, that's why this is very real, very practical. You know, when this stuff actually happens to you, it destroys your credit, and when your credit is destroyed, yeah, you're not gonna be able to get a mortgage for a while. Some of today's homeowners saw their parents lose their homes or may not have even, or have, may even been evicted as teenagers. Home prices are also rising so quickly that some markets are overheating the sales slowing even as prices rise. This is a red flag to all homeowners because prices historically eventually follow sales. So again, it circles back to, I, this is good. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, and I can, I can only imagine as a teenager, that would be probably pretty scarring if all of a sudden you're being literally kicked out of your house. But I, I'm glad to hear that those people are, are grasping onto that memory and being wise with their money being wise with the way they're kind of looking at their financial landscape because previously it was just not, uh, it, it was looked at in a very fault. In fact, it was looked at, I'm trying to stay positive, but it was looked like, like Diana here, the author is talking about where they're sitting on cash and they're getting wealthier by the minute. Well, no, that's, that's how people used to look at it and I'm glad to hear that people are not. And it's, you know, they also have long memories. The housing crash was 10 years ago, but, the pain of the housing market is still being felt. Good, you mean people are actually remembering 10 years ago? That's, that is a positive. I am very, very encouraged by that. So if you're maybe listening and you're looking at, wow, I got all this equity, um, just be very, very careful with that equity. Have a true understanding that there's a, a massive difference between a cash in your checking account, which is your money, versus this theoretical equity that can change at any time. I'm not saying the housing market is gonna crash, I'm just saying that I am very, very encouraged that it, it seems as people are 
looking back into history, they have those long memories, good, and they are learning from that past history and trying to avoid what got a lot of people into that you know, messy situation in the first place. So definitely very encouraging. This next article comes on the, the whole college um, education front. And, you know, if you've listened to past ones, I've kind of already gone on little mini rants of this. But this was, uh, I'm probably going to sound like a jerk. I'm probably going to sound maybe a rough around the edges. But this was extremely encouraging because at the core, this is how it actually should be. So the name of uh, the title of this article, Money, Not Grades, More Likely to Get in the Way of That College Education. So it, it has nothing to do with grades. It's money that's getting in the way. And in a nutshell, this article is basically talking about, and you know, if you follow, you know, the the cost of schooling. This none of this. I mean, it all makes sense why it's the case, but because the cost keeps on rising and keeps on rising and keeps on rising, it gets harder to pay for, even from a loan perspective. Because with the way some of these loans are set up, they need cosigners. But when you start to cosign, then your credit goes down a little bit because okay, now you've taken on this debt. But then if prices are rising more, then it, you can't really have a cosigner or that cosigner is not you know, qualified anymore. So it's kind of a vicious cycle that is taking place there. But the moral of you know, pretty much the overall article before you get down to the end is that it's just getting very hard for, for people to finish out school when they have to keep applying for loans and just getting money to, to, to pour in. And the, the quote towards the end was just, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna sound like such a, like such a jerk, but it's, it was music to my ears. And this person says, if you look at why students drop out of school, the number one reason is not grades. The number one reason is they couldn't afford it. Wait a second, wait a second. So people are hitting the pause button. Of course, you know, they always gotta put the negative connotation on it. Drop out. What happens if it said, if you look at why students take a break from school, the number one reason is not grades. The number one reason is they couldn't afford it. Doesn't that sound a whole lot better? The number, or if you look at why students drop out of school, the number one reason is not grades. The number one reason is, let's say this, they couldn't afford it, yeah, that's solid. But again, we gotta just reframe, reframe things. And when you look at it is, well, they're dropping out, the number one reason is I, I wanna take a break, I wanna reassess the situation, I wanna save up a little bit more money. That, that actually sounds pretty good, but no. Of course, the, the whoever, who is this guy? I should probably figure out what, uh, my guess is he's probably some sort of uh, loan company. Uh, let's see. Let me figure out who this, um, okay, let's see. According to Ken Ruggiero, chairman and CEO of Goal Structured Solutions. The administrator, oh, there we go, of Ascent Student Loans. So yes, of course this guy is, who is the CEO of a loan company. Okay, here we go. Of course this guy is going to use verbiage such as, if you look at why students drop out, not at why students take a break, at why students decide to save up more money. Nope, if you look at why students drop out of school, what a scumbag this guy is. He knows exactly what he's saying, and he knows that by saying drop out, you know, that's just, oh, woe is me, woe is me. So I'll, I'll read the quote as is, but a little interesting rabbit hole right there. I, I wasn't quite sure who that guy was, but um, yeah, that makes sense that he's uh, the CEO of a student loan company. But I also like the name of it. Um, CEO of Goal Structured Solutions. Hey, let's, let's figure out how we can get you into 
$100,000 of debt for that nice liberal arts, the history of wooden shoe making in the 19th century in Europe during the Middle Ages. I mean, yeah, that, that sounds like a good solution for that kid. Good job. That sounds like a, a good way to put them into $100,000 of debt for that degree. But anyways, so yeah, like you, like I read, the number one reason is they couldn't afford it. Well, isn't that kind of a novel, almost a common sense idea? Hey man, why aren't you driving that Lamborghini? Uh, well, because I can't afford it. I mean, let's think about it. Why don't you get anything in life? Well, in some situations it's, well, I don't have enough money for that. I, I can't afford it. Oh, you should, you should get this. Oh, you should get that. Well, yeah, I can't afford that. And in, in some cases it's so extreme, like the Lamborghini, that not only that you can you not afford it, but even if you did try to afford it via getting a loan for it, people that would be giving you the loan would say, no, 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 you can't afford it. You're not getting this. So there does reach a point where even if you wanna be stupid and try to go and, and get a loan, you just can't afford. For me, I'm encouraged that, wait a second, you mean that kids are finally not able to lend themselves into oblivion to get some degree? And, and you know, I'm not anti-college, I'm anti-certain majors, I'm anti-certain career paths where there is no job demand for them. So I don't wanna come across like I'm one of these college is evil, or, no. College is evil in some situations, in many situations, depending on the, the degree, depending on the what you major in. But this is once again encouraging to me that there's seemingly people are being forced to pause. I'm not gonna use the word dropout because that has a stupid negative connotation to it. People are being you know, forced to pause, to reassess, to dare, like I said, good, maybe pick up a couple of part-time jobs, sit, hoard up some cash so that they can progress on with their education. Oh goodness, but you, you can't have little Billy Bob and little Sally Sue break a sweat in order to, to save up a little bit more money so they can continue to pursue their education without getting loaded down in that much more debt. Not to mention the co-signers. I mean, co-signers, co-signers, that's, you gotta feel for them sometimes, but I also, you don't have to feel for them because if you're co-signing, on you know the loan for a hundred thousand dollars, so such and such can go get the degree in you know the history of wooden shoe creation. That's kind of on you. I'm not quite sure what you're thinking in that situation. But hey, what a novel idea! Where if you can't afford something, just wait until you can afford it. And I'm sorry that if you don't like the solution of can't affording it, meaning maybe picking up some part-time jobs, maybe having to sit out of school for six months for a year, but. That seems like kind of wise money management to me, rather than just continuing to borrow your way, borrow your way into getting some sort of degree. So very, very encouraging. I was happy to see that, that kids are being forced to hit the pause button on their education until they get more money so that they can actually afford what they're trying to do. That's good stuff. Now this next one, talk about just polar opposites. I will be honest, I was about to just lose it, just, are you kidding me? But then all of a sudden, wow, that act, that's really cool. That's, that's not bad at all. In fact, I can fully support that. I have no problem with how, um, after I got more context, after I actually read the article, it was encouraging, it was a, a bright spot to me. And all right, so let's start at the first polar opposite, which is kind of like, are you kidding me? California's foreclosure capital to give away $500 a month to residents in experimental welfare, welfare 
program. All right, we are not off to a good start. And then we get to the first sentence of the article. A California city is set to become the first in the nation to embark on an experiment of universal basic income, paying 100 residents $500 a month without any conditions. Moving down a little bit further, the receivers of the cash will be able to spend the money on anything they want without any strings attached. So right off the get-go here, I'm thinking, okay, so people are getting $500 for doing nothing. This is all occurring uh, in, you know, like I said, the, the foreclosure capital. There was a whole bunch of foreclosures and there's some statistics here. Um, in fact, let's just read one of them right here where the city, which was once known as America's foreclosure capital, has recently fallen on hard times with one in four residents living below the poverty line. And, you know, this was just, you know, a situation where, like I said, clearly a whole lot of foreclosures were occurring at that one point in time when, uh, going back to that first uh, story that we opened up with, talking about real estate and that whole f uh, financial market. But yeah, okay, so, you know, it, it, I think it's a safe jump of rationale to say that, yeah, people around this area may not be the best with money. So right there, in and of itself, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the premise. You are giving money to a, a population of people. Granted, it's only 100 people, but still, from this you know, greater population, in general, they've proven to not be very good with money. So you're giving, just giving money without any conditions, without any strings to people that uh, have a very highly likelihood are not very good with money in the first place. That doesn't make any sense. That's really stupid. That's why would, why, why would that occur? And then the second part is, well, kind of the obvious one. They didn't do anything for it. They can do whatever they want with it. So how exactly is that supposed to, you know, incent I mean, that, that's, that's kind of sketchy. They can do whatever they want with it, and they didn't do anything to earn it. But let's just kind of, I mean, right now, that's kind of rubbing me the wrong way a little bit, because I don't know about you, but for me, I, I've worked very, very hard. I continue to work very, very hard. I know what it's like to break a sweat. I mean, I did roofing in college to help pay for college. So yeah, I, it's not like I'm sitting here with a silver spoon in mouth, never had to work for anything or, or anything like that. I, I, I've definitely put in my dues. I continue to put in my dues. Um, and so I, I think maybe I am old fashioned, but I, I think people should have to kind of earn what they get. I think people should kind of work for what they get. And if they're not happy for what they're getting, for what they're working, they can either go find something else that pays better, they can learn a new skill, they can, you know, or they can just continue to sit there and, and, and get whatever they're getting for their skill. But at least, you know, I, I think you need to be able to do something. So let's keep on going down though, because this is where I was actually pretty, uh, pretty shocked, but pretty encouraged in a positive way. So maybe you're thinking what I am. How, well, first off, Clay, you said that this the article was talking about the city falling on hard times again, where one in four people are living below the poverty line. So the the, the town is isn't exactly booming or doing so well. So how is how how is the city? How is the government paying for this? I mean, what are they doing? The city, the government is not doing well. Well, right here, and like I said, this was a this was a great great little tidbit here. Luckily, the experimental program won't deplete the city's coffers as it benefits from financial backing by wealthy Silicon Valley moguls. One of those backers is Facebook co-founder Chris Hughes, who's the Economic Security Project contributed $1 million to the project. You know what? Bravo. Bravo. You know, sure, I may not 
um, agree. Sure, I may not um, necessarily be uh, be a fan of what this experiment is, of what this experiment promotes, but I will give full credit where credit's due. It is one thing for people to sit there and Blah, blah, you know, complain, complain, oh, blah, 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 it should be this, and you know, all they do is complain, all they do is talk in theory, they talk, 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 but when it comes to actually walking the walk, when it comes to actually putting some money where their mouth is, hey, you know what, uh, what was the guy's name, Chris? I, 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 it sounds like Chris and I kind of maybe disagree on a few things here, but Chris, I, he's actually putting his money where his mouth is, and that's great. I have zero problem, if you wanna run experiments like this, that's fine, but then, you know, if this is your great idea, that's fine, but let, let, let's kinda see a map, let's kinda, you know, cough up some money here, and that's what this person did, so, um, I mean, and if somehow this actually works out, I don't foresee how decentivizing people can ever work out in the long run on a grander scale, but, you know, if it works out, then I, I guess, awesome. Like I said, I, maybe I'm wrong, I, I, but, uh, you know, to know that people are now paying for things like this, to know that the government is not doing this because somebody stepped in to pay, I find that very encouraging. I find that fact that um, you know it, it's not all just talkers out there. It's not all just talk, 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 talk. And I realize you could be like, Clay, what are you doing right now? You're sitting here talking about a bunch of stuff. That is true, but I, you know, from my experience, from kind of where I sit financially and all that, I, th I think I've backed up a lot of the stuff that I talk about and a lot of my viewpoints because it has worked for me, it has worked and is working for other people that have you know gone through my courses, that are going through my courses. And so I mean, I, I'm, it's not like this is all theoretical for me. I you know have a, you know data points myself about what actually works. And like I said, decentivizing people, I don't know. It, I, I don't think that's quite gonna work large scale, long term, but if, you know, Chris believes so, and he wants to yap about it, and if he wants to say that this is how things should be, well then good for you, Chris, for coughing up some money, like I said, and, and running an experiment. I find that very encouraging, because that's really how things should should go, especially with you have, and I'm not talking about, you know, Republicans, Democrats, or anything else. I am just talking about anybody in general. I, I really can't stand when people are up there yapping, 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 and then all they're doing is yapping. Or, you know, politicians, again, I don't care what side of the aisle, they're yapping, 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 oh, well, what's your solution? Oh, well, we'll either, uh, you know, it'll, the government will take care of it. Oh, it'll come from the government. Oh, so, you know, the government's either taking on more debt or the government's raising taxes. Okay, gotcha. So your solution is just to, to cough up somebody else's money. Cool. Yeah, I, I can see why you, you talk so confidently in things when, you know, your money, you know, you don't have any skin in the game. But Mark, his skin is in the game. And I am gonna do my best to track this and see how it all turns out. But I, I have nothing but respect for, for the process of somebody putting up their money where their mouth is, even if I don't agree with it. You know, at, there's a lot of principle to me that sits there. So yeah, it, I think it's been a relatively good week in terms of the headlines that I've seen. Good encouraging stuff. People have learned from history apparently and are not just randomly grabbing theoretical cash via their equity. Students are apparently not able to just you know, get loans and loans and loans into oblivion. They need to actually maybe be able to afford something. That's awesome. And yeah, people are willing to put some money where their mouth is and uh, see what happens with it. So I have, I'm encouraged. I don't know if you're encouraged or not, but for me, I think these are some good things going on in just the world of finance and just kind of the world in general. 
And if these things continue, you know, if students are continued to force to afford things, if people are continuing to be smart with their personal finances, especially their home equity and just equity in general, that's a good thing in the long run. And who knows, to, to be fair, although I don't think it'll work, maybe this whole universal income thing will work and decentivizing people uh, is going to, you know, just make everything that much better. But uh, yeah, for me, I am encouraged. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the Slab Money Method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.